Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, you're listening to a brand new episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. And this week, we're bringing you our review for Top Gun Maverick, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. Tim, are you ready? I'm so fucking ready. Are you ready? Listeners, are you ready to join us in the danger zone? (laughs) Let's take a steep nosedive into Top Gun Maverick. After more than 30 years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators, Pete Maverick Mitchell returns to Top Gun to train graduates for a dangerous mission. Facing uncertain future and confronting the ghosts of his past, Maverick is forced to confront his own deepest fears in a mission that demands the ultimate sacrifice. Ooh, Ooh. Love that. So Top Gun Maverick is directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who has directed Tom Cruise in Oblivion before and also Tron Legacy. Well, Tom Cruise wasn't in Tron no. Legacy. <laughs> it's just another film he's directed. With a screenplay by Aaron Kruger. Eric Warren Singer and Christopher McQuarrie based on a story by Peter Craig and Justin Marks and based on the characters by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. Top Gun Maverick stars Tom Cruise, Jennifer Connelly, Miles Teller, Monica Barbaro, Val Kilmer, John Hamm and Ed Harris, among others. What a cast. What a cast. Goodness me. Now, before we get started, I need to apologise because I'm a little under the weather. Not the Rona. Not isn't, the Rona. Isn't it funny how people feel the need to clarify when they say they're sick? And not the Rona. apologise that you're sick. Yeah, it's, it's not like, the Rona. Oh, it's not coronavirus. I'm so sorry. It's the flu. <laughs> it's like you're allowed to be sick and you don't need to apologise. But I don't want to be. So forgive me for sounding a tad nasally during this episode. But but look, Lee, she's shown up. She's shown up for Mr. Cruise mm-hmm. and I'm so glad about it. Look, we've been waiting some 36 years for this sequel. Yep. I'm so fucking excited to talk about this. You're barely even 36. <laughs> Six years old. I'm not 36. 
I just turned 34. Yeah. Um, so Top Gun Maverick mm. is getting standing ovations. It had a standing ovation yep. in our screening. Left, right and centre yep. at Cannes at the Royal Film Premiere in our own screening. People were cheering, clapping, whooping. Whooping. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way. <laughs> whooping. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. It was. It was it was an incredible cinematic experience, wasn't it? Oh, it, it was it was unlike anything I've ever experienced. And so I want to talk about the beginning of the movie. Let's start mm-hmm. right at the beginning because it begins like the original movie does on yes. a sunrise lit aircraft carrier. Very Tony Scott. Yes. Right. With people busy getting the planes ready for takeoff and the roar of the engines and the iconic bong the sound. Dong. The dong. <laughs> the dong or the bong? Oh, wait. Oh, gosh. Why no. do I always just go for the dong? <laughs> we can unpack that. Uh, but, yeah, the bong. Let's go with the yes. bong for the episode. But what I want to highlight is that it's very 1980s. So 1980s. Doesn't it? But not in an old-fashioned way. Do you know what? And this sounds so silly. Well, I knew that it was the new film. Mm-hmm. But at one point, I was kind of looking at going, have they accidentally <laughs> played Top Gun? I felt the same. Yeah. I was like, have they put the wrong movie on? Is this like a... A double bill. Yeah. And we've ramped ourselves up to see the sequel, <laughs> but they're playing the first one first. I felt exactly the same way. Yeah, so funny. But that's how good it nailed the yes. beginning and that nostalgia. Oh, yeah. They just really nailed the opening of this movie and it set the tone immediately and just takes you right back to that original. And the other layer that takes you right back, other than the dong bong, <laughs> is the the song Highway to, to Danger Zone yes. starts playing in that yes. opening sequence as well. So I think we were already like yeah. touching each other in the seats, get, getting excited. Okay. I, <laughs> just <laughs> that sounds a bit off. Okay, we were excited, but not that excited. We were in the front row, not the back row. Yeah, <laughs> Could, couldn't hide up there. But yeah, I was shaking you constantly. <laughs> oh, and I, I, I needed you to shake me because I needed to just be brought into the space because I was just getting so lost in the excitement of this movie. You were you were bringing me back into reality yeah. just to kind of take a breath because there are moments in this film, and we'll talk about them when we break down the movie yeah. uh, in, in all its achievements, is that moments... I was forgetting to breathe. Really? Like I needed to remember that I needed oxygen to survive <laughs> because Amazing. this movie just sucked it out of me. It was yeah. extraordinary. 100%. And mm. it's the best opening for a sequel I think I've ever seen. Wow. I'm calling it. Big call. Love yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. So the beginning of the movie mm. gives us a hint of what Maverick has been up to since his glory days at Top Gun. Yeah. He's a decorated captain and test pilot, but he hasn't risen through the ranks Presumably because his ego is writing checks his body can't cash. Right. <laughs> That's a cool expression. <laughs> He's still putting his superiors in awkward positions with mm-hmm. his bravado. It's a little tempered down with age, but it's enough to keep us cheering for him and backing him. Oh, 100%. He has you in the palm of your hand mm-hmm. immediately. You recognise the character of Maverick, but then you're also trying to figure out what's different about him as well. Mm-hmm. The, the, the crux of it, just to add a few layers to what you've said, is that the thing he loves most is flying. So he's still flying. He's testing like new technology. That's kind of what he's doing at this moment in yeah. time. Still pushing the boundaries, like you said. You see he hit that cheek, that charisma, exude on screen almost instantly. Mm-hmm. Maverick is back in those opening frames. The script. Okay, let's talk about the script mm. for a second. It can be quite cheesy Yeah. in yeah. places. You know, there's lines like, you're where you belong. And <laughs> I'm not going to leave you. All that kind of really patriotic American stuff. But 
that's what you want to see in this movie, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it harkens back to the kind of cringe that 80s movies had in their script and dialogue, naturally. <laughs> yeah. And so it's honouring that. I feel like it's it's honouring the script <laughs> of the original by placing it in this context. And somehow it works, although, I mean, you're not rolling your eyes in, in protest. Mm. You're rolling your eyes and going, oh, okay, that kind of felt good. Like, I get why it's there. <laughs> Does so that you, make sense? You think it was intentional. Oh, 100%. <laughs> how did you resonate with the cringe then? How did, you, how did yeah, it feel for you? Uh, some of it took me out of it <laughs> okay. a little bit because, you know, we've moved on from the 80s, but. Mm. But, yeah, like I said, you can forgive it because the action is so good and the story is so good and you're ready to go back. I do want to talk about the story overall. Mm. Nothing felt forced or contrived, I think. They had to really make sure there was a good point to come back into this story. Christopher Macquarie said at the world premiere that we're not going to see sad Mav. You know, he's not a loner sitting around wondering where his life went wrong. He's got a pretty good life. He's pretty happy with his life. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to approach this character. Yeah, just to build on that, I think that the script and the story and the direction, just throw all those in there, it establishes context. It establishes like serious tension, the stakes at Mm -hmm. play, and also the story in general. I find that just to be really balanced. It delivers on all those points. Yeah. And the main tension in the story is, of course, between Maverick and his old mate's son, Rooster, played Mm. by Miles Teller. But it's not for the reasons that you would think. Mm -hmm. You know, it would have been easy to come in and just be like, you know, Rooster blames Maverick for his dad's death. But they've gone in a slightly different direction that I think was a really good move for this story. Yeah. And they, they kind of tease on it quite early on in the movie. And then they move away from it, but it all comes to a head quite nicely. I completely agree with you. There's another layer. There's another complexity to their Mm. relationship that is that golden nugget in establishing a character dynamic, Mm -hmm. especially when you have some character from the original so beloved like Goose was and then trying to position him within his son all these years later. It was a really, really great choice. There's a lazy road they could have taken and they didn't. And I quite like that. Yeah. You've got a lot of callbacks to the first film. So you've got, you know, the love interest that challenges him. You've got the cocky recruit who's self-serving and dangerous in his actions. The slightly nerdy recruit who you expect to get killed immediately. (laughs) The nods to Val Kilmer's Iceman. A lot of really nice callbacks. Yeah. And look, at its core, it's quite a simple story I found. It doesn't try to pack too much in to ensure like it ticks all those boxes of nostalgia, although it does deliver on them. It it does weave them in really nicely because you're jumping into a world that has existed for a long time, like four decades. And so it doesn't choose to like look back at all those things and explain everything that's happened, but rather it, it, it establishes like its own standalone story, yeah. but acknowledges things that have significantly happened over those 40 years yeah. to find that balance into the new story yeah. really well. I think I actually saw online that someone described it as a requel and I don't think it fits the parameters <sighs> of a requel. It's a direct sequel to the events that happened in the first film. 100%. 36 years later, obviously. But yeah. I want to talk about the love interest angle mm-hmm. for a second I did think that was a little weak. Mm-hmm. You know, Jennifer Connelly's great and she's just there to be a foil for his charms though and bring him back down to earth like Kelly McGillis was mm-hmm. in the first film. But I think they worked well together. Look, I mean, flying the old flame flag can be a tough gig for any actor, especially when you're being 
first introduced in mm. a sequel. But I did find her character really well written. I found their history between each other was woven into the story quite well. And mm. I, I did find their chemistry was very, very palpable. Yes, definitely. They worked really well together. Mm. I think that though, rather than give him a token love interest, mm-hmm. It might have been nice for Meg Ryan to be involved somehow, not as a yeah. lo- not as a love interest, no. just to have that interaction, mm. not romantically, but just to you know be part of the Rooster and Maverick dynamic story. Yeah, I, I was surprised that she wasn't in the film, mm. and I guess it's a spoiler as to why she's not. I guess yeah, we can't really t- say that. Can't, can't really discuss that, but uh, yeah, I felt like she was she was missed in it. I thought they were bringing in really nicely all these things from the original, really really well into the story. And then she wasn't there and I thought that was a, a misbeat. Yeah, definitely. Mm. In the promotional materials and the marketing, I think they talked up the other recruits more than they are actually involved in the story. Mm-hmm. One thing co-writer Christopher Macquarie said was this one, they wanted a greater sense of the recruits around Maverick because Top Gun is about the culture of this elite school rather than it just being all about Maverick and Goose and then mm. by extension Rooster. Do you think we got a sense of the rest of the characters around Rooster and Maverick? Because I don't. Yeah, okay, interesting point. I I was satisfied enough. Right. Was there enough? No. I think there was a lot more to unpack about these these recruits, but I I loved you got a sense of their dynamic who they were as people at a surface mm. level, especially in one of the earlier scenes at the bar where they're yeah. all playing pool. But it definitely did focus more on on Maverick, though, still. Yeah. In, in Maverick and, <laughs> and Rooster, which fair, is fine. Fair it's, enough. It's his story. <laughs> it's called Top Gun Maverick after all. Yeah, I know. I know. But, you know, there's a large number of recruits that mm-hmm. gets whittled down to like six or something yes. like that. And even in that six, you don't really get a lot of them. I mean, but you did get them all playing gridiron on the beach. Amazing. Uh, which was just stunning. and Which is a twist on the volleyball scene. 100%. And tell you what, Tom Cruise with his shirt off, on the beach with all those other 30-something-year-olds, you could have fooled me. Mm-hmm. Like, heck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cruisy, cruisy. I've got a question to ask you, mm-hmm. and I did kind of mention this to you when we came out of the screening, Yeah. but I actually got quite emotional several times in this film. Did, did you? Yeah, okay. Emotional is one word that's being thrown around definitely. In terms of the story, no. Okay. In terms of the nostalgia and sure. the music, it yeah. gave me goosebumps. It yeah. did bring a tear to my eye because yeah. it takes you back to this time when, you know, this movie was out and it's such a big deal. I mean, I wasn't old enough to see it in the cinemas. <laughs> let me just clarify that. <laughs> but the nostalgia, nostalgia is such a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And my love for movies is so huge that sometimes it's overwhelming. And when yeah. you see a movie like this that so much hard work has gone into and the result that they've put out that makes me emotional. Yeah. You've used the word that I was going to choose to describe how I felt and it was overwhelmed. Yes. It was overwhelmed by the overall experience. Yes. We'll talk about the the action and the sound later. You touched on the music as well. Yes. I was getting emotional about the story. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was at times. I was very, very invested in this movie. Right. And I actually didn't know what to do with my emotion. I said earlier that I found myself holding my breath, forgetting to breathe. <laughs> yeah. But I was like welling up in my eyes because I was, again, that word, so overwhelmed. I didn't know what to do with the energy. There was one point, and this might sound really dramatic, but at one point I felt like I just needed to like shout or scream just to let something out. Well, that's what people were doing. Well, they they were. I I should have joined in because I just was – 
I was so – I was about to explode. And isn't that what a good movie should do? Oh, It God, should elicit yeah. that reaction in you, that shared yeah. cinema experience where everyone just wants to clap or cheer or, yeah. you know, you shouldn't be sitting there in silence just not reacting. Yeah, oh, I, I loved it. I loved it. Now you wanted to talk about uh, characters and performances. Yes, of course. Tom Cruise is not unlike Maverick himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not a stretch. Both of them test the limits of themselves and their profession regularly. Mm-hmm. And I think it really shows in the work. What a guy. You know, I don't think I can recall a bad performance Tom Cruise has ever given. He's certainly been in less than average movies. He has a couple. That's, yeah. that's not a headline. All actors have been in less yes. than average movies, but he gives everything yep. to his performances, to his projects. Mm-hmm. He sets out to entertain, to tell emotional, yep. real stories that people connect with. That's his vocation mm. as an artist. And that's one reason why we talk about him so much on the podcast yes. and why we admire him so much, you know, personal stuff aside, religion and things that we won't go into. Right. But <laughs> in terms of the work, I definitely admire his work ethic 100%. and it really really makes for entertaining films yeah we, we've got we've already touched on a few things that we adore about maverick earlier on in the episode but he's clearly still in this film 36 years later yeah. a boundary pusher he's got that cheek that charm that yeah. charisma and the the skill he has is just immense as mm-hmm. a fighter pilot and as a leader uh, in this movie definitely i've already mentioned this again but a lot of the build recruits are backgrounders in yep. this film. This is a 100% Maverick story, mm. which isn't a bad thing, but I wonder if it did come at the expense of the performance and the character development of the others. What about Rooster? Yeah. Or Bradley Rooster Bradshaw played by Miles Teller. Miles Teller turned in a fantastic performance, Didn't definitely. He? Yeah, yeah. You really felt the essence of Goose. Mm-hmm. Like not only just in his aesthetic, which at first I thought, why does he have a moustache? Like does he really <laughs> yes. need a moustache? You can say that he's that he's Goose's son without him needing a fucking moustache. <laughs> yes. But it completed the character and the look, the Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It worked for me. It, yeah. it ultimately worked for me in the end. There's even a, a bar scene that, that harkens right back to Goose where you just go, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And can I touch on that? Because they chose to use a bit of a flashback montage mm. in, in that moment that you're referring to. Yeah. And that's a moment that it created, I felt like a really suitable and effective emotional connection mm-hmm. to the original mm-hmm. but I'm glad they didn't do that over and over yes. and over again you need to respect the audience that they know mm-hmm. the original you don't need to constantly flash back so that was a good little nugget there there is a point later on in the movie when things are getting a bit tense when you hear the voiceover of the flashback ah. you know what I mean you hear Goose and Maverick in the cockpit together yep. when the, mm. the bad thing happens the bad thing happens the bad thing happens <laughs> yeah and that was nice too yeah they don't hit you over the head with it no but but they but they still have it all it's all in there <laughs> somehow they find yeah. that balance I don't know how they've done it honestly we've mentioned Jennifer Connolly as the love interest Penny Benjamin mm-hmm. she's a single mother who doesn't take any crap from Maverick she's None. the owner of the bar now, I believe. Yeah, she is. Yep. She's a sailor. She's, you know, tough as nails. They worked so well together. Jennifer Connelly is just one of the greatest actresses. She's gorgeous. She's talented. She's fantastic. And also Tom Cruise comes in with such a presence as an actor. Mm -hmm. It's unmistakable. Yeah. So to have someone stand side by side with him and challenge that energy and to pull it off and for you to believe it is the skill of of an actor that, you know, Mm -hmm. I've seen it all. There is a love scene in the film and I swear (laughs) to God, 
I thought they were going to start playing Take My Breath Away. Okay, question though, question though. We talked yeah. about how they found the perfect balance of nostalgia. <laughs> so they, they didn't play the song. No. Right? That's, that is what it is. What if they did? Like how would have you felt in that moment? I probably would have liked it, but then I probably would have gone, did that really need to yeah, happen? Yeah, it would I, have been too much. I agree. I was waiting for the or- really subtle orchestral underneath. I honestly was. My <laughs> yeah. ears were pricked. Yeah. It didn't happen. I'm gl- I am personally glad that it didn't. Yeah. It probably just would have been far too on the nose. Yeah, yeah. And taken away from the relationship that they had as characters in this movie. Yeah. You know, it needed to exist in of itself mm. if they tried to weave that classic song in there, I think it would have taken away from what it was trying to achieve. Do you think they should have had Kelly McGillis in the film? She wasn't referenced at all. No. Uh, so She yeah. wasn't asked back and no. she's been quite vocal about the fact that she wasn't asked back and she, I don't think she cares too much but she has talked about it. She looks quite different. She's mm. aged normally as a normal woman does yeah. age. She mm-hmm. doesn't have, you know, I don't think she's had plastic surgery and all that kind of stuff done. Mm-hmm. So I guess those are the reasons she wasn't asked back. And it's a real shame. Yeah, I mean, it could have been a good opportunity to Uh, just... Yeah, I think she was missing from this film. Yeah. I I don't know how they would have made it work Mm. because the script didn't have a hole that that yeah. was clear that she was missing. So it would have changed something. I just don't yeah. know what that would have been. Yeah, it's not glaringly obvious that she's missing, but it's a shame. I mm. think they could have done something. Yeah. I don't know what that could have been. Um, yeah, because why would she still be, I guess, would she still be working at Top Gun? Would she? No, she would have moved on. Like, he would, she, he's moved on. She would have been an absolute boss in the White House even more you than reckon? she was yeah. in the original. Yeah, for yeah, sure. She's probably the president. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Honestly, she's probably the damn president of the United States. Yes, Kelly McGillis That's why president. she wasn't there. She was saving the world. Exactly. <laughs> okay, we've got to talk about the action, oh the sound God. design, the cinematography. Bring oh, it on. Wow. This is I can't stress this enough, really worth seeing on the big screen. Tom Cruise has recently said that he would never allow Maverick to have gone to a streaming service and that it was made for the big screen and, oh, boy, is it ever. Like, okay, so we waited 36 years. Yeah. But trim two years off that. We were meant to get this movie in 2020 for obvious reasons. Mm. The world shut down for a long time, I'm so glad he stuck to his guns. Yeah. Because I, ca- I can't imagine watching that in my living room on the on the telly. It wouldn't be no the way. same impact, no. No way. I would have not come into this episode with the feelings that I have if I didn't see it on the big screen. My chair was shaking. <laughs> was that me shaking? You <laughs> no, apart from that, like the yeah. sound, yeah. the roar of the engines had my chair vibrating. I don't know if this is a word, because well, you have the vocabulary, but I wrote this word down that the sound design and the feeling the experience was like guttural? What does that word mean? I, I feel, like deep I feel in like, your gut. Okay, you well, feel it really in your gut. Well, see, I felt that word without really knowing the meaning behind mm-hmm. it and it works. Yeah, yeah it does. Go, me. go you. <laughs> you know what I wrote down in capital letters on my notes? It was the last piece of notes that I wrote during Sorry, the film. Go on. You can write in capital letters in the dark. <laughs> I can oh, barely write at all. <laughs> I have found that it has been this mo- this this movie that I've watched in the past where I've written notes and I've written over the top of another <laughs> note and I've had to move on from the, the two notes because I couldn't figure out what either of them said. <laughs> So I can't remember what movie it was for, but no, I it's my, when I look back in the light of my notes, it's an absolute <laughs> dog's breakfast. But I wrote in caps, it never stops. Yes. And isn't that the perfect way to encapsulate yes. this movie? It never stops. It's like a Michael Bay film, but also 
less exhausting. Oh, you know what I mean? Exhausted though. Oh, okay, you know, but like it. I, it, I know what you mean. It gives I mean. you the breaks between, whereas a yes. Michael Bay film just keeps yes. going. There's keeps that going, emotional. There's that emotional, you know, ride that you're yeah. going on in this movie that a Michael Bay doesn't film doesn't necessarily. Yeah, have. and I was so nervous in the climax of this film too. You know, I was shaking oh, you and I was squirming and having just an absolute blast. And then you think the tense bit is over. Yeah. And then it throws something else at you. Well, that's what I'm saying. I was about to ask you which climax because yes. there were like four or five climaxes and I almost couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> I was like, please, I didn't want the movie to end, but I wanted the movie to end because I didn't think my body could handle it anymore. <laughs> and it was really important to the filmmakers that everything be shot practically in this yeah. film, which meant figuring out how to keep a camera on an FA-18 going, you know, mm. Mac, whatever. Tom Cruise has said that the reason they waited so long is because he had to wait for the technology to be ready to do what he wanted to do with this film. Right, like the rigging in the in the cockpits and things. Isn't that so James Cameron though? Yeah, very tasty. Except James Cameron would make the technology. He would make the technology. Look, just to build on that, you see and you feel and you live the experiences of the actors in the air, and I've never seen anything like it. A big word is authentic. Mm, mm-hmm. you know, it's so much care and detail has gone into making this film and the authenticity behind it. You know, It's a long time coming, so they had mm. to get it right. Mm. And in the original film, okay, this is an interesting little fact, Tom Cruise's footage in the planes in the original film was the only usable footage. So if you go back and watch it, Many of the other actors aren't shown in the cockpit actually doing things because the other actors couldn't handle the G-force, right? Wow. But in this one, Cruz has made sure that all the actors went through rigorous flight training. Like five months or something. Yes, crazy. So they're all up there really doing this. And I think, you know, it's all the more exciting because you know that they did their own stunts and they did their own flying. Imagine the pressure that the actors felt to not disappoint Tom Cruise. Right. And to do like, this is what I want to do. This is the only way I'm doing it. And you have to deliver. Yeah. Holy heck. Do, do you know that we've mentioned this on the podcast in our news and trailer section, but Tom Cruise devised the training program, right? And yes. And did you know that they had to, the actors, all had to write down their experiences from the day after every day, submit them to Tom Cruise. They had to do a little diary. They had to do a little diary. Dear he diary. Read, he read them all. Oh, my God. And he... And he wrote notes back to every actor every day. He's a machine. Yeah, he's insane. an absolute machine. Because he's obviously heavily involved as the lead actor, heavily involved as the producing yeah. partner. To then him having to write notes and feedback every day for a, for a huge ensemble cast going through five months of training. He gave them homework. Who is this man? He gave, No one likes homework. <laughs> but I guess when Tom Cruise gives you homework, you've got to do yeah, it. Yeah, you don't say no. You Jeez. don't say no. Gosh, isn't that interesting? His process as an artist mm-hmm. is extraordinary and I love mm. learning these ways of working. He really is impressive. Let's talk about the music and the soundtrack, okay, oh. because the first soundtrack was iconic. Yes. So this one had to hold up yes. to it. Yeah. Uh, with Hans Zimmer involved, you know you've got a winner on your oh. hands. His immense soundscape in marriaging like the 80s nostalgia yeah. and the always-on sound that Hans Zimmer is known for, mm-hmm. like you just can't escape from it. How, yeah. how did it make you feel? Oh, it was like it was emotional. It was yes. overwhelming. It was beautiful. Yes. And the main track is, of course, by Lady Gaga called mm-hmm. Hold My Hand. You love this track, I don't loved, you? I loved this song. I listened to it on repeat before I saw the movie <laughs> and then I love it even more having seen it in the film. What was your experience with this song before and after? Yeah, I mean, I didn't 
really vibe it either way. I think yeah. I hadn't really listened to it properly, mm. but after seeing the movie, it really grew on me. Yes. There was, we had a moment in the cinema yeah. where you go, oh, actually, yeah, I quite like it now. <laughs> <laughs> and I was deeply satisfied. Yeah. I mean, it fits really well when it you does. see the end in sequence. Yes. And I actually read as well in the notes that Tom Cruise said that when he heard that song, they, they shaped the end of the movie around that song. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. So it, cool. it fits really seamlessly. It works really well. Look, I knew we had a winning original song on our hands before I saw the movie, but you know, it's a winner. Right. when you hear it orchestrally and then in the background in little yes. moments in the film because they choose to weave it into the story mm. to film part of the experience. Yeah. You don't just have to wait for the credits to roll to hear it or the or the closing shots. So I sense Oscar nomination okay. here if you yeah. ask me. There's a lot of romance in the music design as well, yeah. which you wouldn't expect from an action flick no. like this. But it reflects the romance between, you know, Maverick and Penny, the obvious one, yep. and the bromance between Rooster and Maverick. Yes. And just the romance of flying for these pilots, the experience of being up in the air and doing what they do best. Yeah. And I think that was really conveyed beautifully in the score. I couldn't agree more. There's there's an element of the story that's made clear in the script and how the characters interact with each other that it's not about the plane and the plane letting you down or delivering the outcomes you need mm. for the mission. It's about the pilot. Yeah. And so that theme, that sentiment carries through the soundscape, the music really well, just to build on what you said. Yeah. Like you, you, it, it works. 100%. Is there anything yeah. you didn't like about this film? Not really, no. No? No, like like not much. I just think the, the, <laughs> the character development of the other characters I think was a, a bit of a letdown for yes. me, but not enough to take away yeah. from the experience and the craftsmanship behind this film. Yeah, 100%. All right, Lee, what do you reckon? Do you think it's time that we wrap up and rate our take on Top Gun Maverick? Let's do it. Watching Top Gun Maverick is like going Mach 10 with your tail on fire. <laughs> it is a cinematic experience that is pitch perfect in hitting the tone of the original with a modern makeover. You can't help but marvel at the work that went into making this and it's one hell of an exciting ride with enough nostalgia to honour the original without shoving it down your throat. It's a little cheesy and overly patriotic in places, but that's what you want from a movie like this and it can be forgiven. I'm giving Top Gun Maverick four and a half popcorn kernels out of five. Nice one. Well, Top Gun Maverick represents one of the greatest cinematic experiences I have ever had. I will never forget how I felt in that cinema. The energy, the tension, the drama, the emotion, and of course... The action, I was just blown away. This is one of the greatest sequels ever made, I'm calling it. It is the perfect balance of nostalgia, corny moments, which we love to mm -hmm. hate, hate to love, uh, drama, emotion, and there's that other word again, fucking action, man. Yeah. <laughs> Every layer of this film worked to complement the other and it is the driving force and charisma of Tom Cruise that made it happen. In no way did I think going into this movie that I would utter these words in our episode. But Tom Gun Maverick is a classic and I'm going to rate it five popcorn kernels. Wow. Yeah. The greatest sequel ever made. <laughs> well, I said one of, but we could go there. Okay, one of. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick flies into Australian cinemas from May 26. Do yourself a favour, go and see it on the big screen. 
All right, Lee, let's jump into our news and trailer section right now. So the team behind hit Australian movie The Dry, which we absolutely loved, has reunited for a follow-up based on Jane Harper's best-selling novel Force of Nature. Writer and director Robert Connolly and star Eric Banner will once again co-produce with made-up stories, with Banner returning to the hero role of federal agent Aaron Fork. Further casting has been announced for the film and it includes Jacqueline McKenzie as Falk's fellow investigating agent, as well as Deborah Lee Furness, Hugh Jackman's wife, Robin McLeavy, Sissy Stringer, Lucy Ansell and Richard Roxburgh. I'm obsessed with this. You know what? Deborah Lee Furness doesn't do enough acting. I love to see her show up in in films. I'm so happy to see her here. So Force of Nature sees five women take part in a corporate hiking retreat with only four returning. Federal agents Aaron Fork and Cameron Cooper head deep into the Victorian mountain ranges to investigate in the hopes of finding their whistle-blowing informant still alive. Production is currently underway in Victoria, but in the meantime, you can revisit Popcorn Podcast's interview with Eric Banner, Robert Connolly and Jane Harper over on our YouTube channel now. So the first trailer for Bros has been released this week. This film represents the first romantic comedy from a major studio about two gay men, maybe, possibly, probably (laughs) stumbling towards love. Maybe. Well, they're both very busy. <laughs> that's the that's the tagline, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> the tagline. Bros comes from the ferocious comic mind of Billy Eichner from Billy on the Street fame yes. yeah. and hit-making filmmakers Nicholas Stoller and Judd Apatow. And it promises to be a smart, swoony and heartfelt comedy about how hard it is to find another tolerable human being to go through life with. You know, I wasn't very familiar with Billy as a performer or comedian, mm. but our friends Peter and Jake introduced me to his on the street comedy. Yes. and I, <laughs> Yeah. It's a bit hit and miss. I think I'm, I'm not a huge fan, but I do like him in, I've seen him in, um, there's a series called Friends from College, Okay, which is quite a nice series and he's good in that as well. Okay. I'll add that to mm. the list. Oh gosh, this list, you should see it. Goodness <laughs> me. So the film stars Billy Eichner, the first openly gay man to co-write and star in his own major studio film. Amazing. And features an entirely LGBTQ plus principal cast i love to see amazing it. yeah so good you can see bros in australian cinemas from october 27 this year so a new film from blumhouse about the horrors of conversion therapy is coming titled they them it stars kevin bacon as owen whistler the director of a conversion therapy camp which attempts to turn lgbtq plus teenagers straight and cisgender just quietly mm. this oh it just disturbs me so fucking much. Yeah. It's disgraceful. So set over a week-long session at the camp, the film focuses on the various campers as they undergo psychological torment from the camp's programming. This is going to be pretty triggering for yeah. some people. Yeah, so it sounds traumatic enough, mm. but throw another layer on this horror in the form of an unidentified killer who begins claiming victims while the kids team up to protect themselves from the killer and the camp staff. It sounds stressful. This movie sounds really stressful. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about whether I even want to see this movie. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, they then will be hitting the Peacock streaming service in the US on August 5th, but no word yet on an Australian release date. So we'll keep you informed when that becomes known. So Tim, Hugh Jackman and Michelle Williams have their fingers crossed for uh, the Greatest Showman sequel. Mm. The original musical was released in 2017 and proved to be a massive worldwide hit with a box office haul of 
400 million US and over 4 million albums sold. It also won a Grammy and was nominated for Best Original Song at the Oscars. And just just quietly, it was before we started the podcast, but the Australian premiere for that movie was yeah. insane. Was it? What, what, was, what did it they was have set the, up? It was at the Star Casino. Hugh Jackman was there and, you know, all the stars. And Dea was there with his gorgeous butterfly dress. She looked like a butterfly. It was incredible. Wow. They had aerial performers. They had all the costumes from the set. It was like the biggest event I think I've seen in so long. Oh, my gosh. You know what? There was a period of time where the only thing anyone would talk about was this damn movie. Yeah. And you on the radio, everywhere you looked, it was like the mm. only songs that anyone was listening to. The impact across the world that this movie had yeah. was massive. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that, you know, the actors are trying to be like sequel, sequel, sequel. Yeah. Because it, it, it makes sense. So in a recent interview, Williams revealed, and I quote, I would make another one of those in a heartbeat. That movie brought so much joy to so many people and to make people that happy, man, that is a worthwhile thing to spend your time doing. I'm not sure if I'm doing a very good Michelle Williams (laughs) (laughs) impersonation. I really love that movie. My daughter Matilda sang those songs. My mum is still listening to that soundtrack. So the greatest showman celebrated the birth of show business, in case you're living under a rock, (laughs) and was led by, you know, visionary P.T. Barnum, who rose from nothing to create a spectacle that became a worldwide sensation. The film also starred Zac Efron and Zendaya. But, like, do we need a sequel to this film? Do you know what? I'm going to say something controversial. Mm. There was nothing particularly wrong about The Greatest Showman, but I think it is severely overrated. Mm, okay. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's Didn't good. expect those words to no, come out of your mouth. It's good, but like the way people carry on about it, mm. it's just calm your tits. Um, <laughs> so from my perspective, I don't think we need another sequel, but I wouldn't be surprised. You know, some movies, okay, and I would have said this about Top Gun before I'd seen Maverick. Okay. Fair. Some movies just need to be left alone because yeah. they're a magic bullet Mm-hmm. Everything just goes right to create this beautiful product that stands alone in time in a glass case and just should not be touched. Yeah. Okay. There's there's a handful of movies that I would say that about, but the relentless Hollywood machine seems to want to make sequels out of everything and make a big IP franchise out of everything. And what's wrong with just leaving a film to be what it was and moving on to something else? Because there's always money to be made. I know. The word you used just before, relentless. Mm encapsulates it perfectly <laughs> relentless money you know, making machine but i mean we'll go and see the films of course so we're of part course. we're part of the machine absolutely part of the problem <laughs> yeah but yeah there are some movies like this one that i think was just beautiful and it yeah. was well done yeah. and it was such a hit just leave it alone just leave it alone i mean do something in the same vein if you if you really must mm. move on to a different story but make it like the similar sort of musical Vain, maybe one of the other characters that were in the film or yeah. something like that. But you don't need to revisit this world, I don't think. Okay, there we go. I think we're kind of on the same page yeah, there. Watch this space. We'll see I what I mean, not that I happens. wouldn't go and see it. Exactly. But there's something to be said for Baz Luhrmann, okay? Go on. We've got the Elvis movie coming up. Yes. He makes original one-off movies yeah. and all that work that goes into them and they just stand alone in time as Beautiful masterpieces. Yeah. And he takes his time to pick his projects. Yeah. Elf, like it's 2022 right now for those playing at home. Yeah. The, the last film he made was The Great Gatsby in 2013. Yeah. It's almost been a decade. Yeah. He's obviously made TV shows and all the rest of it in, in, in between. Yeah. 
but that that's part of his um his lure for me anyway. But, but all of his work is original. Yes. I mean, Romeo and Juliet is obviously a Shakespeare play, but... But it's told in such original yes. ways. Yes. Originality. His adaptation of story, it, no one else does it like him. Give me originality. Give it to me. More originality. But you know what? Look, I don't want to shit over people who are earning a living mm-hmm. as well because you do. You take jobs because it's a job sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. And we watch the movies because they're entertaining. Yes. Wow. We went real deep in this. I know. I love it. I feel like such a hypocrite saying that because I go and watch <laughs> no, the no, sequels. No. I do. Yeah. But sometimes I think it's shifted. The pendulum has shifted too far the other way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We, we're, talk, we're, talk, we're talking about this on an episode where we've reviewed a sequel. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I would have said that before I'd seen Maverick, yes. but bloody hell, they did a good job. Yes. Well, talking about original content, mm. Disney Pixar revealed the title of its new film this week as Elementals. So the animation is set in a city where fire, water, land – and air residents live together where a fiery young woman and a go-with-the-flow guy are about to discover something elemental, how much they actually have in common. You know, when I was reading out all those elements, mm. I almost went, Captain Planet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When are we getting that Captain Planet movie, by the way? Honestly, it's been in development for like over a decade. Like I'm talking 15 to 20 years or something. Have you ever seen that comedy skit with Don Cheadle? Yes, it's <laughs> fucking Captain brilliant. America. Is that Funny or Die or SNL? Uh, I can't other? remember. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, look it up. Look yeah, it up. Yeah, very honestly. funny. Yes. So Elementals is directed by Peter Son and produced by Denise Ream of the good dinosaur fame. Disney and Pixar's Elemental were released in cinemas on June 15, 2023 at this stage. Yes. So there's your original story, but you've got to wait yep. a whole year for yeah. it. Hopefully there's a few more in between. All right, Lee, Margot Robbie is attached to star, get this, in a prequel to ensemble heist movie Ocean's Eleven. Speaking of franchises. Speaking of franchise, we're back on the agenda of the whole relentless Hollywood machine. Machine. At this stage, the project hasn't been greedlit, but Jay Roach, who worked with Robbie on Bombshell, is attached to direct and the script is being written by Carrie Solomon. So it seems like this story will take place far from the glitz of the Las Vegas strip in 1960s Europe instead. Mm -hmm. And if it goes ahead, it will begin filming next year. It fascinates me, this franchise, because it Mm. keeps on going. We had Ocean's 11, 12 and 13. And then 8. And then Ocean's 8 with Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock, which I liked. What's this one going to be called? Ocean's 60? Because it's set in the 60s. That's actually a very good question. It's got to have a number in there. Yeah. Interesting. And I wonder how it's going to link to the originals because it's a prequel. So it's got to, I don't know, Danny's parents or something. And it's going to get confusing too, isn't it? Because it's like Ocean's 11, 12 and 13. Then Ocean's 8, and then it comes Ocean's, like, I don't know, 2 or something. <laughs> Ocean's 60. 2. I don't know. The numbers are going to get confusing. We've got a few holes to plug yeah. there. But I'm, I'm excited. I mean, anything mm. Margot Robbie touches turns to gold from my perspective. Yeah. So that excites me. Do you know me. what? She's really exciting as a producer. Yes. Yeah. She takes on really interesting projects. Yeah. I love that for her. Yeah. So, Tim, the role of young President Snow has been cast in the Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. The younger version of the role, played by Donald Sutherland in the blockbuster franchise, will now be taken on by Tom Blythe from the Billy the Kid series. Set decades before the events of the Hunger Games, the story takes place around the 10th annual Hunger Games, the gladiatorial event where Pan Am teens are selected at random to fight to the death for the country's amusement. Such a sick premise, isn't it? It's fucking awful. They're great movies. Snow is just 18 years of age when he's picked to be a mentor for the female tribute from District 12, much to his disdain, of course. Love those female tributes from District 12. (laughs) 
<laughs> Katniss Everdeen, fuck the world. I don't, nice. know, how that, I don't know how that's going to come across. You did it. Yeah, did, did, you did it. Yeah, good. There we go. Great. Oh, can whistle. Mm. All right, let's wrap up our uh, episode with this last piece of news. So we better stock up on the tissues, folks, because author Nicholas Sparks, yes, you only need to say the author's name mm-hmm. and you start crying, has inked a first look movie deal with Universal and it was announced they will produce three feature films based on his recent books. You know, this is like pretty impressive okay since sparks wrote his first novel the notebook in 1996 there have been a whopping 11 of his books adapted into feature films i mean those movies include the notebook with ryan gosling and rachel mcadams a walk to remember featuring mandy moore dear john starring channing tatum and amanda seyfried and the last song with miley cyrus and liam hemsworth Mm. i mean that's just some of them there's a lot more and they've taken in more than $750 million US dollars at the global box office. Wow. That's extraordinary. Yeah. Is he like the most successful author, book to film? I don't know. Like I reckon it would Stephen be King? Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I couldn't even tell you how many have been adapted because they've been adapted and adapted and, and more adapted than once. Yeah. On film, TV series. We had Firestarter recently starring Zac Efron. Yes. Which, which starred... Drew Barrymore in the 80s, yep. so it's its second iteration in cinema. Yeah. Not in the same role. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Although I probably would have been more interested to see it if she was playing <laughs> a, a girl, you know, yeah. 40 years later. Anyway, we digress. So one of the upcoming films will be released on The Wish, an emotional story about first love, but aren't they all? Yeah, They're they all, all are. They're all, ab- well, mostly first love or some kind of love that is torn apart. Yes, yeah, first love and loss sort yeah. of vibes torn apart by time or death or I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Get the tissues. You said we needed them. Does the notebook make you cry? Do you know what? I've never seen it. Fuck off. Yeah, no saws. You have to, well, I'm going to make you watch it. <laughs> I feel that in your I'm eyes. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to stare at you until oh, God, you start crying. <laughs> Goodness. And to cry, cry. Cry, damn you. Their love story is beautiful. First love, loss, cry. <laughs> Okay, on that note, (laughs) we reviewed Top Gun Maverick in this episode, which is in Australian cinemas from May 26. Go see it on the biggest screen you can find. Guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We are now on YouTube, guys, where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single one. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.